Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Chronicles of Mr. I'm Mr. Pierre, and I'm so glad to be joined today by someone who I have the privilege of being able to serve on the same campus as her. Nicole, so glad that you're here. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. I'm really looking forward to this conversation because um, I got to be honest, from day one, when we both looked at each other's shoes and we were like, Huh? Peep each other's two game. Uh, I mm-hmm. felt like <laughs> I was really looking forward to this conversation, so I'm li- really, really happy that we're able to talk today. Yeah, I, I instantly felt like, oh, okay, I, I like him. This is gonna yeah. be good. Really good. <laughs> um, yeah. So to begin with, like, I like to start uh, asking everyone, like, how did they get into education? So how did you get into education? <laughs> um, I always knew that I wanted to work with kids. I'm big on advocating for kids and just having their best interests. Even from when I was little, I would talk to my little cousins and make sure that they were feeling good at the family functions. Mm-hmm. Um, I started off college actually as a biology major. I thought I was going to be hotshot pediatrician and, um, you know, make the family proud kind of thing. Um, but as I started to take my biology classes, getting into chemistry, into algebra and all that stuff, I realized um, I wasn't happy. Mm. And to get away from doing all the biology stuff and the math stuff, I would volunteer at my sister's elementary school with her fourth grade teacher. And I lit up like something told me like, this is okay. This is where I want to be. And I thought to myself, you know, when I go to work, I should feel like this. If I'm going to be doing it every day, it should feel fulfilling Mm -hmm. and um, I should be excited to learn about it. So I changed my major from biology to education and my skin cleared up. (laughs) My, uh, I started having more energy, you know, I was just a lot happier and So I graduated with my bachelor's in elementary education and I taught fifth grade for like three years and it it was amazing. That's fantastic. Um, It feels like our our lives parallel because I also, um, I actually earned my degree in biology with a minor in mathematics. So I was- I didn't know that. I was in the lab. um, Yeah, and graduate students and undergrad students would come through the lab and whenever I have to show them something or teach them something, my uh, principal investigator is like, hey, Willie, you seem to light up when you got to teach. I think you might be in the wrong profession. <laughs> and so to hear that you were uh, a bio major, I understand. I understand. <laughs> what made you choose? Um, oh, were you going to say something like that? I was going to say, you know, I know you love math. The the My biggest thing that told me that I need to get out of STEM was uh, I was starting to have nightmares about the unit circle. (laughs) I would be in my math class in the summer. I took it in the summer and I could not sleep because I just kept it. Like I would literally have nightmares about the stuff that I had to learn. That was just, it just wasn't what I wanted to. And so that was like my deciding factor. So I, I just had to put that out there. (laughs) I, I completely understand it because if you don't, if you're not really like enjoying it, it doesn't bring you joy, then like, why do it? 
Why do it? Yeah. And so if they have nightmares about it, yeah, definitely give it up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Up. <laughs> <laughs> what made you go into elementary versus say middle or high school? You know, I think the experience of volunteering at my sister's school um, and then getting into my practicums, I wanted to try my hand at, at middle school. I knew high school wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It's just the older kids I don't really mesh with. Yep. Um, I think I'm a little too corny for high school. Um <laughs> So I don't know if I really wanted to try my hand at that. I do love middle. I did my practicum, uh, my first practicum with seventh grade U.S. history. It was so fun. Mm. It was so fun. I loved working with them. But I feel like seventh might be as old as I'll go. Um, And yeah, so it's not that I don't like uh, middle. It's just elementary is kind of where I fell. And that's why I like older elementary. So like around fifth grade is my, like, I get it. it. That's that's my sweet spot. Yeah. Middle school is, is my jam as well. Like I'll come down and I'll, I'll, you know, play around for half an hour with the kinder babies. And then like, I'm tapped. I'm I'm good. (laughs) I feel you. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I appreciate just the, I guess the awareness of knowing like, Hey, this is my jam. This is my my lane, and I'm gonna do best serving here. Sweet, sweet. Yeah. It, it's it's not easy, as you know, and you're aware of. Like so many folks are choosing to leave the profession, but what's keeping you sort of still in the game, so to speak? Um, I think it's it's such a hard question because I feel like sometimes I'm not really still in it as much as I was. I started teaching in 2019, the school year of 2019 to 2020. So right when COVID hit, okay. I didn't, I didn't get to finish my first year with my f- first class. And then my whole second year was virtual because of COVID. So that was really hard. And then my third year was you know, still impacted by COVID, masks were mandatory, but that was my first year where I got to go start to finish with a group of kids. And I still hold those kids near and dear to my heart. They're still emailing me like, miss, you'll never believe what happened in middle school today. And they're like asking me questions about what to do, what electives to pick. Um, And so that's always the best part is knowing that they know that I'm there to help them. Um, And so the reason I'm still here is because I think that the profession and that kids deserve passionate people who are recognized for their work and who are compensated fairly for their work. Um, I think that a lot of teachers, a lot of teachers are leaving because not because they don't love what they do or you know, because they're tired of the system. Well, they are tired of the system. But socially, I mean, if you just look at, like, quotes like, um, those who can't do teach, mm-hmm. that kind of ideology is, I think, what is driving people away from the profession. It's, it's what it did to me. That's why I'm not still working in the district where I was 
and why I'm now trying to earn my master's in a program that's going to help me identify these issues and then work to fight, fight against it. <laughs> I'm glad you see it seated this, uh, I guess this is what year, your third year? My fourth year. Fourth year. I'm glad that you see yeah. it in your fourth year rather than say year 10 or year 20 or year or whatever. Like, because I think there are a lot of teachers who, yeah, just have this very, let's say rose colored glasses on in the hopes that it's going to change. And the reality is like, unless you are active, if you are aware of your worth, and that as much as you love the kiddos that you you teach, but if you are miserable that you're no good to the kiddos, then um, actively looking to be in a situation, be at a school that, as you mentioned, values your worth and then compensates you for that worth. Um, yeah, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. There's so much conversation about, you know, teachers don't get into this profession for money. You do it because you're passionate or you do it because you love kids. And right. I, I don't think demanding more of the people in charge of the system that we participate in is saying that you don't love what you do. If anything, I think that dissenting on something is what you should do because you love something so much you want it to be better. Right. You crit you criticize something to show people there's a better way than what we're doing right now. And it'll benefit everyone. Happier teachers, happier students, happier families, happier, just happiness yeah. in general. Yeah. And I think the drift away from happiness and love being at the center of education into standardization and rote memorization I think is also another big problem for a lot of creative teachers mm -hmm. as well. What do you think is the solution to all that? Or what's the possible oh, solution? I mean, a, a large, <laughs> heavy question. Big old question, yeah. <laughs> I think not forgetting the why mm -hmm. is really important. Um, I can't forget that I love working with kids and that I want their lives. I want them, I want kids to leave my classroom as better humans than when they first came in. I, you know, I'm wonderful if they learn everything that I want them to learn. If, you know, we check standards off, that's great, I suppose. But if they learn how to be a better human to themselves and to the people around them, that that to me is the why. And I think not forgetting that um, and encouraging teachers to stand up for themselves um, and say no when they don't they don't want to do something or can't do something is important. I think it's going to take a lot, an amalgamation of a lot of little steps to get to a societal understanding that um, to progress, we need to pay more attention to educators hmm. and education in general. What do you think? I'm, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I agree with you. I think that in order for things to get better, the thing that you said that I agree with 
is know your why. If you're a teacher and you understand, hey, I am in this for dot, 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 fill it in for whatever it is. For me, it is, hey, I know that there are not a lot of black male teachers and our black boys need representation. And so that's my why. I want to make sure that the kiddos who, who look like me know that, hey, there's someone at the front of the classroom or who's an AP or who's a head of school or, or who's a superintendent understands what they're going through and consequently is making choices and decisions that's going to positively affect them. That it's not just the same, the same, they're not seeing just for the most part white women because the majority of teachers are white women. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, knowing that, I want to make sure that you see all of Mr. Pierre, whatever the quirks are that in foibles that he has. And then you're also able to compare that with other black male teachers and be like, all right, Mr. Pierre was like this, Mr. So-and-so was like that, Ms. So-and-so was like this, Mr. So-and-so was like that. And to know that, oh, we're not just this monolith that we all think the same, do things the same. And so that gives them the just the living proof of like, hey, whoever you are, be that, and that's okay, and that's enough. And so remembering, like you said, that why. And so that's number one. Number two, knowing my worth, similar to you of like, hey, if I've got four degrees, a master, a PhD, doctor, whatever, like compensate me similarly to if I were in another profession with the same degrees and the number of years in my profession, knowing that mm -hmm. I know how to do this. I can walk into a classroom and teach. I know classroom management. I know how to connect with kiddos. I know how to bring them in. I know how to have that classroom management so that if something goes off, if there's a misunderstanding, if there's some um, uh, educational gap, I know how to fill it enough within the time that I'm with the kiddos so that by the time they leave me, they're better than when they came to me. Um, and so remembering that number two. And the number three is having conversations like this so that folks who are in this and really want to be in this know that what they're going through isn't just isolated to them and that there are options out there. And that's the beauty of what this podcast has been, is just being able to connect with folks from all over who, yeah, who, who know their why, who are are in this to be in this and, and are, are, are looking to remain in this. And even if they choose to leave the classroom, but still be in that sphere of, of education and being able to impact the kiddos for the better. Yeah, that, that, those would be the three things that I'd say, like, um, if I were to throw my two cents in, those would be it. Um, I think I agree 100% with everything you said. And this podcast, these kinds of conversations, and tying that back to students and showing them, like, they have a, they need a sense of belonging in the classroom. Having someone who looks like them in front of them you know, shows them that they belong in education, they belong in these rooms, and they are allowed, and not only allowed, are encouraged to take up space and make their voices heard. That's the most important thing, the their sense of belonging and our sense of belonging as well. It's, it's hard as, so my family's from Baghdad, Iraq, and um, I never had a teacher that looked like me. Um, in the sense of was able to speak like me or understand the culture. Yeah. And, you know, other groups, 
of people experiencing that and then feeling that they don't belong or that knowing that the system is working against them, it's disheartening. And I feel like is the reason why, again, a lot of people, especially um, people of color are leaving the profession or not even wanting to join. Were you born in the States? I was born in the States. So, so my folks are from Haiti. So being mm-hmm. a first gen um, at home, we would speak French or Haitian Creole. Mm-hmm. So whenever anyone <laughs> would say something in Haitian Creole or French, like, like, yeah, that, uh, that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the spidey senses go up and it's like, Ooh, okay. Someone gets it. Or yeah. So that, that, that belonging that you mentioned, um, and I think that's the reason why, but yeah, that first day looking at your shoes and then like commenting on your shoes and like, hey, nice kicks. Um, and then the pants as well, that match. And then that, again, that belonging that you mentioned of like, oh, this is a person who, yeah, who gets me or gets mm-hmm. this aspect of me um, has, been, has yeah. been dope. And I'm, I love when the kids can see that and have that within their teachers because then it's like, all right, I'm 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 invested and I want to to learn whatever it is, whether it's for me, it's math, or if it's one of the younger kiddos, whatever lesson that you're, t- you're teaching, like, that's dope. Yeah. yeah. It means the world. When somebody sees you for more than just like what's in front of them, but they really see you. Yeah. I don't know if you saw Avatar. Did you see the new most recent Avatar? I've seen, yeah, I've seen both. Um, Like the I see you. Yep. That's what it feels like. That's what yeah. it feels like. And feeling seen, I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing better than that. When there's a kid who feels like their grownups don't listen to them, mm-hmm. um, their friends maybe don't really understand them, maybe there's something else going on deeper. When you can be that person for them, helping that one kid, it's, it's, it feels like you're helping the world. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I I want to say to you, and I want to say to every elementary teacher, like kudos to you. And this is the reason why. I teach middle school math. And even for me, like to switch from sixth grade to seventh grade to eighth grade or back down from seventh to sixth to whatever, like my brain is doing these gymnastics of knowing like, okay, a sixth grade kiddo, developmentally they're not in the same spot as a seventh grader and definitely not in the Mm -hmm. same spot as an eighth grader therefore the manner in which i'm coming at them whatever for my demeanor my tone of voice whatever i'm keep i'm very cognizant of that but just the subject matter (laughs) like i'm like all right sixth graders are going to know this seventh graders are going to know that eighth graders are going to know this the way that i have to present this to a sixth grader is going to be different you you got the math You've got the the history, you've got the humanities, you've got the art, you've got the, all of that that you're you're juggling to ensure that um, kiddos are feeling safe, feeling seen, being able to teach. Like so, to you and to every elementary school teacher who's te- who's listening to this, like I want to give you your flowers and your props because like y'all are amazing. <laughs> and yeah, I'm going to shrug it off and like, oh, nothing. <laughs> Thank you. You said it out loud. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's not, it's not easy for sure. But anyway, sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's it. Take it. It's all, it's all about you, Nicole. Yeah. How, how hard is it? (laughs) 
um, you know, having to juggle all of those subjects. And then, so you have to kind of switch between the grade levels, right? Knowing that, you know, a sixth grade kiddo might not be able to do what an eighth grade kiddo can do or, you know, vice versa. Um, being able to see the students as a whole, reading, writing, math, science, social studies, seeing how they might shine in one subject more than they shine in another, or they're more comfortable, I should say, in one subject than they are in another. It's interesting to see how their attitudes change. Um, for example, when, when I would do uh, writing, I'd start my day with writing in my old, when I would teach fifth. Um, it was some of my students, you give them a prompt and they're, they're chugging out page after page after page. Their minds just think in words and they love it. And then when we switch to science, they're, uh, they're somewhere else. They're, they kind of check out a little bit. And as, as someone who's responsible for making sure that they have a good experience and understand the importance of every subject as much as you can. Um, you have to find a way to make it engaging and then also make it personal, which is hard to do when you have 25 plus kids in a classroom and trying to cater that to everyone is hard. Wow. Yeah. I you know what you're, you're right. I didn't think of it in that you get to see the kiddos in all yeah, you get to see the whole kiddo. Like for me, I'm just seeing the kiddo in math and not so much the kiddo in humanities or the kiddo in science. And so, yeah, knowing that a kiddo, yeah, may have an affinity towards science versus humanities versus writing or mm -hmm. they're really into X, Y, Z. And once that is introduced, it's like, yeah, they, they get to, to blossom and shine. So that's, that's a good point of, and I think that would be a good point for all of our teachers of just knowing like, hey, try to get to know the fullness of your kiddo in that whatever they're into, being able to weave that into whatever it is that you're teaching. Yeah. So yeah. And don't be afraid to ask. I, I would hold polls and do voting in my classroom all the time. So I'd say mm -hmm. I, when I do have a theme for um, a certain lesson. So for example, when I'm, when among us was really big, um, I had a lot of lessons where um, I would ask students. So, Today, should we focus on the imposter being in this situation or a crew member being in this situation or a movie that came out when um, uh, Endgame came out? I mean, you have you just ask, what are you into bringing that even if it's just casual and then bringing that in and then you see their faces perk up and they're immediately engaged. It's like, ah. I got you. And now they don't even realize, they don't even realize that they're learning and they have that buy-in and it's like, Done. you did it. But it takes, it's a lot of work, a lot of work outside of the time where I'm supposed to be working. Hmm. Um, and it, you know, it feels worth it when the students are engaged and they're getting everything they can out of a lesson. But um, that's how, it's easy to get lost in doing that and losing that time you have for yourself hmm. to be able to just shut down and be you instead of being the teacher. 
So hearing what you're saying, um, again, anyone who's listening, I think that gem right there of like, hey, there are times, just ask your kiddos a direct question. <laughs> it doesn't have to be, you know, you know, rocket science. If you're like, hey, what are y'all into? <laughs> and then being able to yeah. weave that into a lesson. But something else that you just said that I know a lot of teachers uh, struggle with is, or maybe I'm just supposing, do you, have you found that nice balance of like, when I'm at work, I'm 100% here, but when I leave work, I can truly leave work? Or is it still trying to, are you still trying to find that balance as a fourth year teacher? I don't know. I don't know how long it might take. <laughs> or if sometimes I feel like I have the balance and then uh, something requires more of my attention. It feels almost like it's a, it's not, there's no final destination when it comes to this. It's more from day to day, hour to hour, finding that balance and being able to be like, okay, this is what's going to get all of my attention right now, but I have to know at two o'clock I'm turning it off and I'm walking away for my own sanity. Mm -hmm. um, it was hard. And I'm going to get a little personal if that's okay with you. Go for it. Um, my last year, I couldn't find, I guess, the light at the end of the tunnel when it came to the job and teaching. Mm -hmm. It felt like everything that I was doing outside of contracted hours, you know, staying after school until 6, 6.30, trying to prepare and make copies and, you know, working at a Title I school um, is, it's not easy seeing no. what everyone has to go through living in those communities. And I, I lost, I lost my why for a while and I lost the balance and I still feel like to this day, I'm trying to find it again. I, I know my why I know that I'm here for a reason, but balancing that why with my own sense of self outside of the identity of being a teacher yeah. is something that I, I work on daily. The first school I taught at was a title one school. So to know, yeah, you, I think I know what you, what you mean about a lot. I, I definitely know what you mean about the copies. Tell anyone who's listening, yeah. take care of your copies on Friday. <laughs> yeah. Don't wait till Monday. Don't wait. Don't try to do it on Monday. Take care of your copies on Friday. If if I can just drop a gem, like take care of your copies on Friday. If you're able to, if that's, if that, if there's ever going to be a day where you're like, Hey, I'm going to stay an extra 10, 15 minutes, I'd say Friday, Friday evening. Or if you, if you have that prep period on Friday or some moment on Friday to just go in and get yourself ready for for Monday. Let it be then. Don't try to do it Monday morning. Oh, the stress of I'm... the stress of Monday morning going to make copies and the copy <laughs> copy machine jams, or you thinking you're going to be the first one and there's like seven other teachers there who are doing the same thing. Yeah, that talk about stress. Yeah, <laughs> I know you. I know you told yourself you'll wake up early, get there early. Yeah. No, you won't. 
Yeah. Just do it on Friday. <laughs> do it on. I'd say do it on Friday. And if you're able to, yeah. take care of it on, on, on Thursday. Another gem, if you will. Rather than plan Monday through Friday, I do Wednesday to Wednesday. Oh. Because it just helps me, yeah, to know that I'm not going to... If something, if there's a hiccup, then I can either push things back or push things forward rather than, like, trying to... The weekends, let the weekends be sacred to you. So, like, at the beginning, before we started recording, and we accidentally... I accidentally said, you know, a lazy Sunday. And you're like, no, my Sunday's a sacred. It's not Sunday yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, know what, I know what you mean, for sure. I know what you mean. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And that's that's... I think what you spoke to about being... A little lost, if you will, is something I think a lot of teachers are are going through. I don't think you're the the only one who, being out of school, I'm going to assume, or let me just flat out and ask you, like, do you feel like your last school really appreciated you and all that you were doing? Um, I'm very lucky in that um, I had wonderful administrators and really, really a really good team that I worked with. Shout out to them if they ever hear the episode. Um, but they were wonderful and helped me a lot my first year in being able to understand that the job is more than just showing up, teaching kids and going home. There's a lot more that goes into it. I, I felt appreciated. Um, it's It was more of a societal kind of school district as a whole, God. not really appreciating teachers i always thought of it as because even administrators have their hands tied mm -hmm. there's only so much that they can do as well yep. it's about the people who are in those rooms making decisions that haven't set foot in a school or a classroom since they were a student and i don't think that's fair for anyone agreed agreed so that's my answer to that how about you my last school, if you similar to what you're saying, the last school that I was at, um, yeah, had great coworkers. Um, the the principal that we had an interim principal because the principal was originally there due to family and other issues um, mm -hmm. had to step down, and then interim interim principal was fine, AP was fine as well. Um, but yeah, it was it was things above above them, decisions that were being made, or I guess the the slowness as to which decisions were made that was affecting me then i was just like look um i have a family and i can't sort of like wait patiently for y'all or even not 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 the school but the state and everyone else to like give me a, either yay or nay to certain uh, applications that i had put in and so i was just like i'm gonna go somewhere where i know immediately <laughs> i'll be there for at least a year um yeah and things won't change. And if things change at the end of the year, that's fine. I'm I'm aware of that. I know how that rolls. But to be told or to be like put into limbo that hey, Willie, at you know September, October, November is when we'll be able to get back to you. And it's like if you can't tell me this now in in May, June, when I'm asking you, I can't <laughs> put everything on pause yeah. for you. And so it was that. But then there've been other schools that I've been at where it's either admin. It's just not about it. Or like you said, folks who haven't been in a classroom making the decision to close an entire school or not renew their schools is just like mind blowing to me while we're in the middle of a pandemic. So 
it's 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 like you mentioned the folks who are who haven't been in a classroom to see all the things that students are going through all the things that teachers are going through and not valuing their voices um yeah it's frustrating i think i mean for me that's the reason why i left and came here to go to school again try to understand why these things are happening in the first place why are these systems put up that bar so many people from being able to equally participate in education and not equally i guess i should say equitably as well being able to participate in education and in society, because schools mimic the workforce. Or they should, or they should. Because there have been plenty of schools that I, I visited and have seen them and like, nah, I can't be. <laughs> I can't work yeah. Here, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Nah, this is, it's not for me. Yeah, it's just yeah. not for me. <laughs> I would not. The, the earlier me um, was very idealistic in that I gave gave a lot and similar to I think what you were saying of like I knew my why but that balance of like knowing like hey when when I leave work I should be able to leave work knowing that I gave Mm -hmm. everything I was supposed to give during those contract hours and to expect more than that yeah, it's, it's, one, it's not fair, and it's definitely not equitable, and it's not going to last because you're burning the candle, so to speak, at both ends. So um, to be able to find a place that sees me, honors me, uh, values what I what I do, and then what I say, I'm like, hey, I think we this would be best, or this would be best, um, and then to actually see those things put into application, it, yeah, is is going to allow me to be the best teacher I can be and be the best for, for my students, for our kiddos. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. What, because we are in this and we need um, that joy, what's bringing you joy at the moment? I think, um, I think being a student again is, helping me understand myself more i i love learning and i think everyone has something that they love to know about and that's education you know it's not just reading writing math science there's indigenous knowledge that doesn't get valued in the school system there's artistic knowledge that doesn't get valued in the school system cultural knowledge that doesn't get valued all of that is education and so i feel like learning that and acknowledging that has been making me feel like okay my journey as rocky as it's been is is worth it Uh and uh learning is everything i mean i'm taking a class or i took a class last semester called um global inequality where we talk about what is education and why is it just the american standard that is valued and 
in countries that are considered underdeveloped, what does development look like? Are we holding them to a Western standard or is there more to it than what we're seeing? And I think being able to open my eyes to that is invaluable. Dope. That's dope. How about you? Right now, um, it's like a combination of, I like to read. I've liked mm -hmm. to read. I'm now falling in love with reading. And I think it's like what you mentioned about like uh, the learning part. Yeah. And so like being able to read certain things and to then be able to like immediately put it into practice or try it and see how it's working or it's not working or it's bringing me benefit. Some sort of benefit is coming from it is the thing that uh, is bringing me joy at the moment. What's the last book you read? The last book I read uh, cover to cover was Atomic Habits. Okay. Uh, James Clare. And then right now I am reading, um, there are a couple of things. There's a YA book called Storm Rider um, that I'm reading. And then there's also Amanda, oh, I'm blanking on her last name. She gave the, she was, she was a poet at uh, Biden's inauguration. The, the yellow. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. I'm blanking on the last name. I'm in. Oh, It'll come God. to me while we have that conversation. I'm sure, yeah, if you, can you? I think it's Gorman, Amanda Gorman. Yeah, it's Amanda Gorman. She's got a yes. book too. I'm reading some of her work as well. So there's a yeah. YA book and then there's a, a, a little bit older book. Those are the two. Animals. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Yeah. This has been nice. This has been nice. I know. I'm so glad I was able to. Yeah. Learning that you were, uh, you started off in bio, learning about like the whole being seen and hearing how you, for the most part, have this, this balance and great head on your, your shoulders about the, the work that you want to do. It, it is dope. It's dope. Thank I you. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really happy to be working with you and, same. to know you as an educator and as a person same. you're dope just like your shoes <laughs> i appreciate <laughs> you saying that to anyone who's <laughs> listening to anyone who's watching this i am mr pierre she is miss oro did i pronounce that right that is right thank you awesome 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 and this has been another episode of the chronicles of mr we're out peace